Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 17, produced 14 November 2015. Planning a trip to Scotland? Statistics say you're likely to research at least part, perhaps all of your trip by using travel blogs, independent web-based writings of, in most cases, people just like you and I. When it comes to Scotland, one of the best of these independent travel sites is Must Visit Scotland. And when we come back, we'll meet and chat with its creator, Lisa Henderson, as she shares with us how the blog began, its evolution into a business, and what the site has to offer both now and for the future. up in the mystic and spellbinding saga that is Outlander? Wishing you could be swept away over the sea to sky? Why not come and visit Claire and Jamie's world? It's a land of standing stones, shimmering lochs and great glens that stretch to the horizon and beyond. Outlander, whether in books or on TV, is Scotland. Come and visit the breathtaking landscapes, walk the historic castle grounds, listen for the skirl of the pipes through the thickening mists. You can travel through time when you visit and experience Scotland. Since the advent of the World Wide Web in 1989, the travel industry, like so many other segments of our lives, has undergone a technological revolution. Worldwide, there's been a steady decline in brick-and-mortar travel agencies. In the U.S. alone, the past 10 years has seen the number of retail travel agencies decline from 34,000 to just 13,000. Meanwhile, the number of OTAs, online travel agencies, has grown steadily and the model seems to morph into something new and different with each passing day. From the original TravelWeb.com, the first online comprehensive catalog of hotel properties around the world, to today's newest players in online booking services like Trivago and Kayak, the way most people plan and book travel has changed dramatically. And why is that? Well, travel planning once relied on three standards, brochures, travel agents, and guidebooks. Each had its own inherent drawbacks. Brochures offered canned, well-sanitized marketing copy and photography. Travel agents were too often incentivized to sell prepackaged deals. And guidebooks, well, they were more often than not out of date. Travel blogs, on the other hand, offer candid, up-to-date reports by real people who've been there. And they're not just limited to the mainstay tourist locations and attractions. They can also be a great resource to discover those truly remarkable hidden gems that only the locals know about, because often the blogger is a local. In Scotland, one such local is Lisa Henderson, a writer who entered the workforce after university working for a tour agency, 
Today, she owns Rubber Lips PR, a full-service public relations firm specializing in social media, and must visit Scotland. A personal travel blog originally, today it offers Lisa's professional reviews of accommodations and more throughout Scotland. Lisa also writes an occasional travel column for the Scotsman, though if you ask me, I've no idea how she finds the time. Lisa is also active on Twitter as at MVScotland, and that's where she and I first met in the Twitter chat Scotland Hour, another great tourism and travel resource that we probably should profile here under the tartan sky, but that's another story for another day. To begin our chat, I asked Lisa which came first, the PR firm that specializes in social media or her own social media platform, Must Visit Scotland. Rubber Lips PR in another in another format actually came first because writing something that I've always done. Um, I've always been asked to to produce pieces of writing, usually promotional pieces for for companies. Um, way back in my first job, for example, I wrote the copy for every brochure we produced every year and travel itineraries and things. So I mean that was when I first left university a number of years ago. So Rubber Lips came about, although under different guys first and must visit Scotland was always a hobby it was always a journal if you like a log of all my my traveling about Scotland which started in earnest really when when I had my first job in Edinburgh when I was working for for an inbound tour operator and we had to do a lot of research around Scotland so I had to go out and check out hotels restaurants visitor attractions and everything then so a number of years later, when I thought back about everywhere I'd stayed and I'd been to, I wanted to keep some sort of record of that. And Must Visit Scotland seemed to be the the perfect solution. It was keeping all my blogs, all my stories in one place and sharing them basically with everybody. And when was this? When did Must Visit Scotland evolve from a hobby into a part of your business? Seriously, probably around about three years ago when things started really to take off. I've always been fairly active on social media and Must Visit Scotland was the driving force behind that. So when I saw the interest there was on Twitter, for example, that's when I started taking it a wee bit more seriously and dedicating a wee bit more time to it and making it more of a commercial prospect rather than just a hobby. Did you know as a young person, not that you're an old person by any means, uh, <laughs> that didn't sound correct, did it? Uh, <laughs> did you go to university with an eye to getting into the travel industry or did this come about through uh, perhaps employment in your first job? How did, how did your interest in being in the travel industry evolve and become a business? It really came about just as, as I was due to leave school and I was making choices about what I really wanted to do. And at that stage, I wasn't 100 percent you know, what path I wanted to go down ultimately. So my parents always advised me if I wasn't sure just to focus on what I enjoyed and what I was good at at school. And I always enjoyed English and I always enjoyed foreign languages. So I chose a course um, at university in Edinburgh, business studies and languages, which I thought I would probably enjoy as well as be able to perform reasonably well. And that started it basically. From there, when I left university, I was quite lucky in that I got a job quite quickly, um, which was my first full-time serious job. And that was an inbound tour operator in Edinburgh. So there, basically, I started 
right down at the bottom. But what the company did was arrange all ground handling arrangements for visitors to Scotland, so hotels, restaurants, travel arrangements, visits, anything they wanted to do after they'd landed in Scotland, we took care of that for them. So I was basically placed in the groups department and ultimately I worked there for a long period of time. I was probably there oh, about nine years in the end and I managed the, the inbound groups department. So we basically brought in groups from, from all over the world into Scotland to tour incentive groups as well. So, so my knowledge was built up through arranging um, accommodation and everything for these groups. And obviously there was a, there was a fair amount of familiarisation trips involved in that too. So at weekends, for example, we'd have to go out and do some research if we had a particular group who, who had specified where they wanted to stay, what they wanted to do. We had to go out and research that first. So, so my travel around Scotland really started seriously then. And I guess I just developed a passion for it from there. When I discovered parts of Scotland I'd never been to before and I knew I wanted to go back and, and visit them again. So my work from there continued on after, after I had my daughter. I had a company called Scottish Farmhouse Holidays and we worked directly with farmhouse working farms around Scotland which offered bed and breakfast to visitors coming into Scotland. And they were your stereotypical farmhouse lady, you know, who baked scones for people arriving, who, you know, looked after their guests to the nth degree and absolutely loved what they did. So I felt they were always under-promoted and I wanted to do my absolute best for them in so much as, you know, getting them good business, you know, having families come across and stay with them and Without fail, everybody everybody who came to stay and do a tour with Farmhouse Bed and Breakfast loved it and booked to come back again because it was such a strong product. It was uh, a typically Scottish, you know, as people saw it, people got to, to see remote parts of Scotland because nine times out of ten, these farmhouses are um, located quite remotely and not in major towns and cities. So um, the countryside was a big pool for people and... Yeah, Scottish farmhouse holidays thrived. And again, the drive behind Must Visit Scotland came again in part from, from working with Scottish farmhouse holidays because I recognised that these people perhaps weren't promoted as well as they could be. And perhaps overseas visitors weren't aware, you know, of these areas where, where the farmhouses were located and of the option to go and stay on a working farm. So, so that was another reason, I guess, for developing Must Visit Scotland. Who is the audience for Must Visit Scotland and who are you trying to reach and serve with that product? I get anybody who has an interest in coming to Scotland who typically doesn't want to follow the usual rat run, as I call it, around Scotland. <laughs> During my time at the, the tour operator in, in Edinburgh, I suppose there was a certain amount of frustration because the itineraries we created were obviously based on the demand that there was at the time. And the demand that there was at the time was basically a five to seven night tour around Scotland, stopping in all the typical places. But a lot of the you know fabulous countryside and other towns and villages were missed out. So I suppose... 
I want to I want to appeal in particular to people who want to discover the areas of Scotland that perhaps not everybody knows about um, and to, to give them some sort of platform where whereby they can share their product with everybody who is looking for something different about Scotland. Websites like yours intrigue me because, as you know, as I've traveled to Scotland twice now, and I travel on my own, and one of the things that struck me was that travel agents don't seem to exist as much as they used to. I mean, in the old days, and I'm dating myself here probably, but <laughs> I remember a trip that I made to France in 1990, and it was all arranged through a travel agent. I went down to their office, I looked at the brochures, they gave me some itineraries, and you know, and we arranged everything. They booked mm-hmm. all the tickets, and, and I just simply paid them. That seems to have changed. Um, obviously, the internet has changed a great portion of our world. But in my case, I was in my two visits now, I went online, I found my own accommodations, I researched the different places I wanted to go and see and stay. I used friends and connections like yourself to learn more about different areas I might want to visit. Has that also been a driving force behind Must Visit Scotland, not only the formation, but but I would think its success, is that the travel audience, I think, has changed? Yeah, definitely. I think even since I started Must Visit Scotland, I think things have progressed much further down that route. I mean, it wasn't a conscious decision for me at the time. As I say, it was just to gather the information together in one place. Um, and my website um, provided the facility to do that. And social media platforms provided me with the facility to broadcast it even further. But yeah, I think I think typically today, obviously, as everybody's on the internet, really, I think it, it's bound to be a natural progression that people move away from from travel agents to researching things more themselves, um, and and to having having that availability of people on Twitter, for example, who they can just send a quick tweet to and make an inquiry and get a response back, hopefully reasonably quickly, or by using Must Visit Scotland, for example. In in all our reviews, we always put a a link through to the place we've reviewed to their website. So people can directly get in touch with, you know, if they like the sound of the review, they can get in touch with that person direct and make inquiries as to, you know, availability or or ask any more questions they want to and in fact on our Scotland list which has moved a step forward towards further promoting some of their Scottish businesses that that we've been in touch with we we have links to their Twitter feed to their Facebook pages etc so people can interact even more so yeah I think I think it is a natural progression and I think yes it's the route we've all (laughs) gone down Probably quite subconsciously, but there's sites like TripAdvisor as well, which you know yes. love it or, or, or hate it. You know, <laughs> it's it, it it forms the basis of a lot of plans for people traveling to a country they perhaps don't know as well, um, because like the must visit site, their personal reviews of places, their personal experiences, you know, rather than looking at a page in a brochure, for example, um, I think it's a lot more personal it's it's easy and you can take it right through to booking stage without too much difficulty 
before we get too terribly involved in this, let's be clear about what Must Visit Scotland is. And you correct me if my impression is wrong, but my impression is you're not in the business of booking tours. Uh, I don't contact you and say, would you, you know, I want to stay at this place that I saw on your website for three nights, and you make those arrangements. Your website is, for lack of a better term, an informational website where I can go and research and and read your reviews, places that you've personally visited and stayed in, and then use that as sort of a starting point for my planning like you say, I can use the links on your site to click through to the actual properties and things of that nature. But you are not a tour organizer, I guess, is where I'm going with this. No, no, I'm not anymore. Although I do get inquiries through um, quite often from people asking. Really? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And I've got to be very careful. I'm always quite careful to point out that it is my personal opinion that the reviews which are on the site, are my personal opinion. They reflect a very personal experience um, that I've had at any particular place. And they're, they're designed to, to give people a, a larger insight, I suppose, into any place I stay or go from start to finish. Um, so no, we don't, we don't actually get involved in booking. I mean, I'm happy to offer people suggestions in different areas or you know, if they come with a, a specific idea of what they want to do, I'm happy to offer suggestions, but I am very careful to to make it clear to people that it is basically that. Um, you know, I'm not an official body. It's, it's a personal referral, if you like. Places that appear on my site do ask for that reason. You know, they want their, they want to have further promotion, further publicity, um, and because they must visit Scotland site gets so many any many hits and visitors every day then you know they're they're happy to be on there plus there's no charge for the reviews currently so you know it, it makes it a good place for them to to promote their business out to people but what i would say is i don't put anything negative on the site at all it's all positive reviews and it's all positive reviews of places which have i feel something different to offer in terms of service, location, you know, just something that that offers something unique to people coming into Scotland that I've, my personal experience, I would like to share with them. And that raises an interesting question, and I'd like to discuss that a bit with you, and that is, with regard to sites like yours, there are people who will look at Must Visit Scotland and go, oh, well, of course she's going to say that this is, you know, that the atmosphere is, you know, exotic and and the landscape is gorgeous and the, the food was exquisite, et cetera, et cetera, because she's being paid uh, as a reviewer, as a professional reviewer to do this. And you mentioned the site TripAdvisor, where yeah. you can go and, and read what are allegedly, honest reviews from individuals. I certainly have posted many, many reviews on TripAdvisor. I use it quite a bit. How do you address that? Uh, Well, basically, what I would say in answer to that is I'm not, I go to these places out of choice. I'm not paid to do it. The way Must Visit Scotland makes um, any money thereafter is, is through advertising. So the reviews are an entirely personal opinion they're genuine I would lose all credibility if I reviewed places willy-nilly shall we say Mm -hmm. um, and put them on there just for the sake of having them on there there have been fortunately not very many places possibly just two that I can remember where I've been and I haven't included them on the site just because I didn't feel um, they met the criteria 
I've had to develop fairly strict terms and conditions surrounding the review visits over the last few years, just so people know what to expect and businesses I'm going to to potentially review know that it isn't a done deal in advance, that it may not be featured on the site. So there are a few places I go and stay, for example, which, which haven't quite made it onto the site, which I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing that information with people who are looking to come to Scotland on an enjoyable holiday. I, I couldn't justify that to myself, so I couldn't justify it to anybody else. You don't do bad reviews. So if you go to a, a property and have an experience that is less than enjoyable, then your option is simply not to include them on your site. And, and people don't know, would never know that you went there and found it to be less than what you feel it should be. That's it, exactly. I mean, I just wouldn't include it. It wouldn't be mentioned. I'm not, you know, involved with Must Visit Scotland to post negativity about any aspect of Scotland. So, I mean, I just would not feature feature it on the site. So there'd be no negativity for for them either. It's a personal, it's a personal opinion. It's a it's a personal blog and yes it is turning more commercial as the years go by but I still maintain that I wouldn't put anything negative on there and there are certain criteria that do have to be met in my mind before I would write a review. The reviews I do are are from the heart and I couldn't sit and write something that wasn't true. Okay and we've talked a great deal obviously about accommodation. Is that the only type of review that you're doing on the site or do you get into dining, restaurant reviews, tour operator reviews? What variety of reviews does one find on Must Visit Scotland or is it targeted strictly to accommodation? No, it's it's absolutely not. I think I think up until now there's been a main focus on accommodation, and and that's been how how the company's developed organically. One hotel's led to another, but because it's only me, it's difficult to do numerous different products at once. But certainly on the site, there's there's pages for um, must taste, must do must see as well so gradually I'm moving more that way now for example I've done a fair amount of restaurant reviews quite recently which I'm currently writing up so they'll be appearing on the site soon and in the coming year into next year I would like to to focus more on activities I've been approached by various companies who have asked me to go and enjoy various activities around Scotland which will happen next year and also some events um, musical events and otherwise, which, you know, I'll be really interested to get into those too, just to give a bit of variety. So it's not exclusively accommodation. People need suggestions in Scotland of what to do, where to eat, um, what events are on, when they're going to be visiting and things like that. So yeah, it's next year we'll, we'll see it developing more down that route. And also, interestingly, asked about if I organise tours, which I don't, I absolutely don't anymore, but I will be putting together um, not itineraries as such, but suggestions of, for example, if you go and stay on the West Coast, these are the places you may want to try, these are the activities you may want to try as well, and, and various forms of transport so people know how they can get around um, and forms of trans- transport that are perhaps more in- enjoyable, steam train, sailing, for example, within that area. So people then feel they can go to, to one area and enjoy a few days in Scotland doing different things, all things that they can pick up from the site. 
a suggested itinerary. In other words, if you're going to Glasgow, let's say, these might be places that you would want to see. These might be restaurants you'd want to, to dine in, that sort of thing. A suggested itinerary if you're already visiting a targeted area. Exactly. I mean, it would take the same format. There would be review visits that, that I'd experienced personally, and my personal thoughts on those would appear on the site. But I would gather them together in such a way whereby people could access them more easily. Um, the site's mobile friendly. So if somebody was in Glasgow, for example, like you suggest, then they could find out where they could, a good place to stay, yeah, a good restaurant for that evening, how they could get around and move off to other areas in Scotland, and, and suggestions of, of things to do as well. So maybe we'll be reading uh, your review of, of something, say, like, for example, Tea in the Park? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have been approached by a few festival organisers already for this year. Unfortunately, my time was already committed and I'm having to plan quite well in advance now. So that's the plan for next year as well. Is your website geared strictly to the international visitor? I'm curious what percentage of your traffic is the international visitor, persons such as myself who come from overseas to visit Scotland, or... UK residents, uh, folks from England, from Wales, from Ireland, who are yeah. coming coming up to visit Scotland. Do you have? Do you track that? It is is that of uh, any real concern yeah. of yours? No, we've 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 got quite accurate stats from the website. Almost sixty percent are UK based. That's closely followed by um, USA and Canada, and then back to Europe again with Germany and Italy featuring quite quite largely as well. Australia, interestingly is not far behind that. And then basically the rest of Europe comes somewhere further down in the in the statistics. But yeah, primarily UK based, but a growing international following as well, which I'm encouraged by because that, that was the idea originally to appeal to a wider international audience. And I'm pleased that we're, we're being able to reach these people as well. In fact, interestingly, I had an email from, from a lady in Italy who had taken an interest in the Must Visit Scotland website. She'd been following us on Twitter for some time. And she and her husband actually came to Scotland to get married. And they planned their entire honeymoon round reviews from the Must Visit Scotland site. So that's a nice little you know, wow. personal story for me and a, yeah. and a bit of feedback that, that's spurred me on again, you know. That must be it's, very rewarding to, to get feedback really, like that. It's really rewarding, yeah, to hear, hear personal stories like that and people who are happy to share that with me. And I think that's the nice thing about it being so small um, and not, you know, a sort of bigger commercial organisation that, that it does encourage feedback like that from people. And it's nice for me to get as well. And it, it makes it all worthwhile. You've mentioned some of the things that are coming in the future on the website. One yeah. of the things that that I know you must be excited about, I certainly was when I saw it, is that you're now branching into, and, and isn't everyone these days, video. Of course, I come from a radio and television background, and, and I've always loved video. I love how video can, with the proper writing or the proper music, can evoke so much more of an emotional response than just the written word. Though, as a writer myself, like you, I certainly value you good writing. Tell me a little bit about the the video experience. And uh, I know there must be a a great deal of logistics that have to be worked out. Creating a video review certainly must take many more hours than does a written review. Why move into video? And and what kind of challenges is that presenting you now? I had to to think 
of a way to keep the business moving forward and the last thing I want to happen is for things to become slightly stale. I want to keep it interesting. And I've seen before the response, especially on social media, that video content provokes. People love watching video. I mean, with every review, I always put up a selection of images that I've taken personally or perhaps some from, from the, the business's own personal website which is great, but I think people also like to watch something. It makes it more real. And again, we're always trying to to give people a clear idea of what to expect when they go to a certain place or they visit, visit a certain restaurant or stay in a certain hotel. And I think the video reviews just make that even more clear because you can almost feel like you're there. And I think it's not only good to share with people who are interested, it's great for the site And it's great for the businesses that we're trying to promote as well. I mean, yes, like you said, we've just finished our first video review and that was Ski Bust Hotel on Sky, which was perfect for the first one. I mean, it's it's a a stunning property and the location is absolutely fantastic. So, yes, that was a good starting point. And we were really, really fortunate that the time we were there, which was only a matter of weeks ago, so we were in October, the weather was fabulous. <laughs> so, you know, to wake up in the morning and think, yeah, we're going to be able to do it and make a really good job of it today is fantastic. I mean, obviously, from a logistics point of view, we, we're going to struggle if the weather is really bad or, you know, we may have to revisit that property at some point to, to get better footage because we obviously want to show it off to its best advantage. So, so yeah, there are certain things, and especially from travelling distance, I think in future I have to be aware of things like forecasts and things now, which I didn't really have to consider before if we're doing a video review, so, so we can get it done in a one-hour, so I'm not having to go back and do it again. So, again, that comes down to planning stages and the fact that more often now I'm planning months and months ahead Winter typically is a good time for me to do reviews because um, hotels and things, for example, are quieter with more availability. So it's better all round. But it's going to be geared, video reviews are going to be pretty much geared around the spring and summer. We may have to jump in last minute and go somewhere, you know, if there's a good weekend coming up, which which I'm quite happy to do and I'm quite used to doing that as well. But but yeah, there there is a a lot more planning involved, obviously, in the video review. Are you telling me then that Scotland isn't always drab and dreary <laughs> and grey and raining? <laughs> because that's the popular perception. That is the popular perception. But if you look at that first video review of, of Ski Bust House Hotel on Sky, that was in October. And the weather is just amazing. It wasn't warm, but it was uh, it was certainly very sunny and it was a very, very clear day and it was just perfect for what we have to do there. I laugh at friends all the time who are always sending me stuff about how bad the weather in Scotland is. And I said, look, you know, I've been there seven weeks in the past year. And uh, with only a day or two's exception, the weather was sunny. I mean, I've even posted purposefully photos like when I was out on sky where there isn't a cloud in in the sky for Mm -hmm. as far as you can see. I mean, in most cases, maybe I chose just the right time of year to visit, but I was there in spring and I've been there in winter now. And even on the days when it was snowing, that's the weird thing about Scotland is it'll 
snow for 30 minutes and then the sun shines and then the snow for 30 exactly. minutes and then the sun shines. Uh, but I, I laugh at this perception that Scotland is just always dark and drab and dreary and rainy and gloomy. And my experience has been that it's been nothing of the sort. And I have photographs to prove it. And so I love your video that does the exactly. same. Yeah. You mentioned you do your um, your reviews in, in winter. Does that create a certain set of special problems or concerns in terms that the tourist season is primarily spring and summer months. And do you worry about having to present images and now video of the properties in the winter period as opposed to what people will be seeing when they visit in the spring and summer at the height of tourist season? No, I mean, I think the the video especially is going to be geared around good weather days. So, you know, the days are going to be bright and hopefully sunny. So it's not something we would possibly think about doing in rainy or, or dull days. So I think there, you know, there's not going to be an issue with putting the, the property across to its best advantage, which is what we want to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's all going to come down to planning again and and. I have to be as flexible as I can be and stepping in at last minute, perhaps, you know, to take advantage of an event that's coming up, for example, that that one particular hotel would perhaps like to capitalise on. You know, where my time allows, we we can step in last minute. I mean, I'm I'm saying winter and autumn, yes, there's a large focus then because everything quietens down considerably and it allows me to travel about more freely. But it's not to say that that we don't do reviews through spring and summer as well. It's a year-round business. We talked earlier about how the internet has changed the travel audience. Video, I think, is doing the same thing. And reviews like the one that I saw that you've done of Skivost is is due in part now because of the popularity of drones and the ability for almost anyone to mount a camera to a, a miniature drone and then sit in the front yard and fly the thing and, yeah. and get video, especially aerial views, that we're not capable of capturing just a few years ago. Are you doing that part of the video work? Are you now flying drones? Or is that something you're, you're bringing people in to assist you with? And no, I'm not doing it personally. I, <laughs> I don't think my um, skills extend that far, to be honest. I work quite closely with Intimation Creative um, Limited, who specialize in basically graphic design, web, marketing, branding and things. So they have a couple of drones as part of the work they undertake every day on behalf of other clients. So, in fact, it was Intimation Creative who did our Must Visit Scotland website originally. So they're now involved with the video reviews as well. And they've got absolute control of the drone, nothing to do with me. <laughs> the, the writing and the voiceover and everything and any imagery and obviously any any direction that we need to do comes from from myself but the actual flying of the drone that's not something that that i'm ready for just quite yet so the skies over scotland are still safe huh they're still safe (laughs) yeah (laughs) you've obviously traveled a great deal around the country i've had the benefit of doing that as well i've had many friends that live in scotland say i've probably seen more of the country than they have you've seen a tremendous amount of scotland but i'm curious is there one or two places in scotland you've not been reviews that you've not done that you're really lusting after the opportunity to go and visit and see? Yes, there are. There are. Um, oh, you say that very wistfully. I like that. Yeah, no, it, it comes down to time and it comes down to demand. I mean, at the minute, I've got a wait list which is growing of, of places I need to visit where I've been asked to, 
to go and undertake reviews of different types. So I'm trying to work my way through that first. But there is, again, a plan ahead of places I've perhaps not focused on as, as much. The islands, for example, I've been speaking to Caledonian McBrain again, who are quite keen to get me on board to, to go and do some island visits. And probably more of Speyside and also Aberdeenshire is an area I've not thoroughly exposed yet and I'm keen to, to get up there. But perhaps closer to home too, I find myself revisiting areas just as close as Glasgow, for example. There, there's a place called the Piping Centre in Glasgow, which is actually a charity um, and the, the owners bought the building for £1 and they've transformed the building into a piping school, as in bagpipes. And it's also a museum and a restaurant, and they, they also have a few rooms there. And it's not a luxurious place by all accounts. I've not been yet, but I'm hoping to go. But I think it would be perfect for a must-visit Scotland in that it offers something completely different from anywhere else. And the fact that the, the relationship that they obviously have with pipers from all around the world is something that I want to to hopefully share with our followers. I just think, you know, to promote that out to people who I think they would probably never find it on their own, you know. It's another one of these small places and, again, it's a charity. I think, you know, all being well and I get across there, I think they probably deserve some, some recognition and some publicity through the site. What is it that you hope people take away from a visit to your website? I would hope the site would have have some impact on them, it being completely different from anything else. I think it, it offers a different angle on Scotland. It's it's a personal angle, yes, but I, w- I would hope that it would it would prompt some some interest and in them enough for them to research somewhere further and perhaps get in touch with places to to come and visit. I I hope it would be a starting point for a lot of people to plan their trip to Scotland and to share with other people what they've found there and just give them an extra desire to come to Scotland, I guess. Why must people visit Scotland? Uh, well, I mean, I, I love Scotland, obviously. I think that's that's going to be obvious to anybody, but it's got so much to offer I think I mean I still am amazed when I when I travel north for example that the absolute beauty the you know of the scenery that you travel through traveling west and north and the changing scenery as well I mean you can go from gorgeous sandy beaches one minute to mountains and and glens you know it's it got everything and I think as a, as a race we're, we're generally quite friendly and welcoming and I think most people when they visit Scotland experience like true Scottish hospitality and and how people behave and I think Scots tend to be very generous especially with visitors to our country in addition to that there's a lot going on there's there, I mean there's great places to stay as you can see on the site there's places to visit there's a lot of good events and festivals which happen year round I, I mean I know you're familiar with with Edinburgh Christmas and Hogmanay for example yeah. so it's not it's not just the summertime I mean nobody comes to Scotland particularly for the weather so <laughs> so there are events right year round in Scotland where where people can can enjoy and just get a lot from it and of course there's whiskey <laughs> so what better yes, there is. <laughs> the peak tourist season is in the summer of course yeah, But I think, having been there in the winter, 
people are missing out if they don't take a look at visiting Scotland during the winter. The Cairngorms, of course, offer great winter sports if you're into those types of things. Christmas and Hogmanay in Edinburgh is it's just magical. I am going to miss terribly not being in Edinburgh for Christmas this year after having experienced it last year. Yeah. And I'm already missing it, just thinking ahead that it's only a few weeks now before the markets open up in Edinburgh and down in Princess Street Gardens. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And there are other, of course, uh, festivals. And, and Glasgow has its own great uh, Christmas uh, as well as, as do many other parts of Scotland, I know. Do you think people are sometimes are missing the boat by not visiting Scotland in the off season? And are there travel values to be found traveling in the off season to Scotland? Yes, I think certainly it's quieter off season, especially when you're thinking about visiting places like Edinburgh and Glasgow and the main cities, which obviously during the summertime, that's like you say, their main tourist season. And that's when most people are around. So I think, yes, there's a case certainly for, for visiting at this time of year, for example, sort of autumn into winter with Christmas, New Year's, a huge, huge event in Scotland. Um, so there's events on everywhere over the New Year period as well. So I think possibly visitors see Scotland in a different light through autumn and winter as opposed to the summer. And yes, it's not from um, lack of events or things to do because there is so much to do all year round. So to wrap things up then, I'm going to put you on the spot. I see all the time on Scottish Facebook forums and on the internet, Twitter, etc., people saying, oh, I'm going to Scotland. What should I see? <laughs> and my response is, do you have a lifetime? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be there for three days. I'm going to be there for five days or whatever. And so I'm going to put that question to you. If you saw that question, someone says, I'm going to Scotland and I'm going to be there for, let's say, three to five days. What should I see? I think I would say to them, if they're only going to be here for three to five days, then they have to be planning a second trip. Um, <laughs> as, as you know, there, there's so much to see and it's impossible to see it. Although Scotland, to some, I guess, is a, a relatively small country. There's so much to see and it, it does take longer than people allow to, to tour around Scotland. So, yeah, I mean, I would say a, a good starting point could possibly be be Edinburgh or Glasgow and certainly basing yourself somewhere and doing day trips is quite a good idea but I couldn't I couldn't absolutely say you know these these are the places you need to see there's so much to see I, th I think and I would like to think people like yourself who've been to Scotland once they they experience that magical pool I guess which which pulls you back time and time again so ultimately you're going to be able to see all of scotland but it's going to take a few visits if you've only got three to five days and i, I always am concerned because people want to see and of course you want to you want to do edinburgh castle you want to see tourists anyway you want to go and see loch ness i did it everyone does it yeah uh, but there are so many other magical things to discuss and so my answer to that question is always, you need to research beforehand. And one of the great places to do that, I think, is obviously is on Must Visit Scotland. But that's the thing I think I try to tell people is you really, there's so much to see, you can't possibly do it all in one trip. And therefore, you need to decide what it is you want to see. Yeah, yeah. From my experience as well, I think people do tend to come back. It's, you know, they think it's going to be perhaps a one-off trip. Um, and, and from my experience and people I've spoken to and people who've who've 
done their research through Must Visit Scotland, they, they do absolutely even while they're here plan their next trip back. So it's not a, a one-trick pony coming to Scotland? No, absolutely not. You know that, Glenn. Indeed I do, Lisa. Indeed I do. A final word about travel blogs. There are some 200 million of them on the World Wide Web with hundreds more launched each day. Blogs are, by their very nature, extremely personal and may not adopt strict editorial standards. Some are little more than personal diaries written primarily for family and friends in lieu of sending home postcards. But professional sites like Must Visit Scotland are out there, and they're worth discovering. In the end, the information gained from a good travel blog can enrich your next travel experience, or at worst, allow you to entertain your wanderlust from the comfort of your armchair when travel just isn't possible. My thanks, as always, to my guest and my friend, Lisa Henderson. If you'd like to visit her site, and I hope you will, you'll find a direct link in the show notes on our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Next time, my guest will be Brian Wilton, MBE. He's the former director of the Scottish Tartans Authority, and now often called Scotland's unofficial Tartan ambassador. Until then... I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, Agus Alapa Gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glennlmoyer.com. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore tartan sky. That's the underscore symbol, Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.